0: Hey guys, what you're about to listen to is actually a re-recording of our sermon that was originally on April 19th from Galatians 3, 19 through 29. We had some audio difficulties, so what you're hearing uh, is actually uh, going to be me uh, re-preaching this sermon um, to an empty 10 by 10 room. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, love y'all. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church. We are delighted you have chosen to listen in today. It's our hope the message of Jesus will continue to spread and bear fruit, both in your life and the world around us. For more digital content, feel free to check us out on the web at Calvarybcmoultry.com. And now for today's message. All right, man. Um, so uh, Galatians chapter three—that's where we're gonna be tonight. Um, so uh, never done this. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon, so uh, we'll give it a go and uh, we'll see how it works out. So Galatians chapter three. Again, we've been going through this book, and man, what a, what a awesome book! Um, um, you guys um, heard me often say that, hey. Um, I this is like one of my favorite books of the Bible, um, but like honestly, I do love this one. Um, one of the things that we've really been looking at this idea of almost gospels, things that almost sound like Christianity, um, but one of the things that you'll notice when you get down to it, they're really not. Uh, they offer life. They even use words like Jesus, salvation, and these type of things. But oftentimes, one of the things that you'll notice um, is that they're actually meaning completely things, different things by it. Um, So uh, we've been studying that, and uh, we've been going through it. So Galatians chapter 3 tonight, um, I hope you guys um, got a Bible there, Uh, it'd be really helpful for you to follow along, and uh, uh, here's what we got. So uh, we're going to start in verse uh, 19 uh, tonight, it says this, um, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made Believe Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law and imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. Why? In order that we might be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian for Christ, um, uh, for, for in Christ Jesus you are sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you were Christ's, then you were Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. So let me pray, guys, and we will begin. Uh, Father, I pray, um, Lord, that, uh, that you would just move through your word, that you would powerfully work. Lord, I thank you that you have given us life uh, and that you have given us a testimony of what you have done in Jesus. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Let me start by reading a a quote for you. Uh, It says this. uh, see if any of you guys recognize it. Uh, Here come old flat top. He come grooving up slowly. He got juju eyeballs. He's one holy roller. He got hair down to his knees, got to be a joker. He just got what he pleased. He wear no shoe shine. He got toe jam football. He got monkey finger. He shoot Coca-Cola. He say, I know you, you know me. One thing I can tell you is you got to be free to come together right now over me. Now, some of you guys, you... Hear that and you recognize it for other of you you hear that and it sounds like absolute gibberish so if you know anything about music all right this is one of the most famous songs of all time this came out in 1969 by a little band over in Europe called the Beatles all right very 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 popular group one of the things if you listen to this song all right you will hear what sounds like gibberish but it's interesting because whenever this first came out one of the things that you see is everybody thought that they knew like what these secret words meant like everybody like everybody knew everybody thought that they knew oh this is what this means oh i know what this means oh i know what this means and one of the things as i was thinking through this this week in galatians i think in all cultures you have many times you have these misunderstandings that happen you have maybe phrases or songs or even words that when people hear them they automatically think one thing and they automatically think they know what it means But sometimes what happens is over time we begin to realize that maybe that's actually not what that word meant at all, You have these misunderstandings that just like you have it in music with the Beatles, you have it. Here's the deal. I think that's also true sometimes when we get to certain maybe words or phrases in the Bible. Popular phrase that I think uh, we're going to talk about today uh, and we're going to hear one of those words that we hear that I think happens Get a little bit of misunderstanding in our culture is the word law. All right. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with Christianity, you would be considered your, you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus at all. Um, when you think of law, you think of someone who like writes you speeding tickets or something like that. That's what you think when you think of law. Okay. Now, maybe for you, some of you who are a Christian, what you think of all right is you think of like the phrase like uh, oh I'm not under law, but I'm under Grace, You hear that a lot. I especially hear that. So one of the things, I was thinking about this this week. um, I think one of the things how most people view the word law, for instance, if you live in the South Georgia area, right? One of the things I've often heard is most people, whenever they think of the word law, they basically think they would never say this out loud. But anything that they don't want to either listen to, follow, or anything that they maybe don't find reasonable in the Bible, what they do is they lump that into the category of law. I'll give you an example. So uh, I remember uh, whenever I was, uh, it was a couple years ago, um, one of the things that uh, we really firmly believe here at Calvary, we believe everybody's made in the image of God. The, the Lord has created male and female for his glory. Awesome. Uh, we praise the Lord uh, for that. And uh, But one of the things we do believe um, is that women can do many, many things in the body of Christ. Um, there's very few things they can't do. Like, but one of the things that we believe here is, for instance, that, that, that the, the, the office of elder or pastor is actually reserved uh, for men. We believe that because of what Paul says in different sections in Titus and those type of things. Uh, I once had a guy uh, at Beans and Strings, and he was asking me, and uh, and he was asking me about that. Well, I'm like, well, this is what uh, I believe, and this is why I believe it. And he here's what he does: he laughs at me and he says, "Oh, bro, man." But, but good thing we're under we're 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 under grace we're not under law, and I'm like wait a minute wait what? So I think many times when people hear the word law, what they do is they often think of things that they don't follow, don't want to follow. Okay, all right, or they just don't find reasonable in the Bible, and they de- therefore just disagree with it. So one of the things that we see is that really what Paul meant whenever he says the word law. Well, we're going to be discussing that tonight. All right. Looking forward to it. So, um, like I said, let's take a look. Uh, let's take a look at what Paul says because one of the things that he's been talking about, he's been talking about the law the last couple weeks. Let's see what he actually says about it. So, look at verse 19 again. So, Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 19, he says this: Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by law. So if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, I will, uh, if you've not, I will catch you up. So one of the things that we see in the book of Galatians is that Paul writes to this church. He came in. He preached the gospel to. They responded. Many people came to faith in Christ. And then what happened is some—he left, and then some false teachers came in, all right? And what they did is they started teaching things that they were like, oh, yeah, this is the gospel, yeah. And here's what they were essentially kind of saying that we kind of see. That Jesus is good and all. Like, he's good, but really what you also need is you need Jesus plus these works of the law. Whenever you hear the word law in Galatians, here's typically what he means by it, all right? Not all biblical authors use it in the same way, but here's what Paul's meaning— He's meaning basically the part of the Old Testament that is from Exodus to about Deuteronomy. This includes, like, the commands, the laws, the ceremonies, um, different um, sacrificial, like, uh, you got to make sacrifices to God in these particular ways. you got to keep these certain festivals. That's what he's referring to. These people came into this church in Galatia, and they were saying, hey, you need to, you need, Jesus is good and all. But you also need to keep this, and that's how a person comes, that's how a person knows the Lord. That's how a person is, is mature, all right? And Paul's like, pahooking, like wrong. No way, Jose. Like he's saying that is not true. He's like that, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the light. He is what you need. He is all that you need. So for the last chapter, he's actually, it's almost been sounding like that Paul has just been trashing the law. He's like, hey, you don't need the law, da 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 da. da, da. So you almost get this idea, okay, like the law is bad, right? So what Paul does is he asks a question. Look at verse 19. He says, why then the law? Dude, you might have thought of that before. Maybe you grew up in like a church or something like that, and you're like, dude, I don't get the Old Testament. Like, what's the deal? Why didn't why didn't God just like send Jesus at the beginning and like, like, like what's the whole point? Like, if he was going to save everybody by grace, what's the whole point of the law? I'm so glad you stinking asked that, all right? what Paul does is he actually answers that question. Look at what he says. Why then, verse 19, why then the law? It was added because, underline that, baby, because of transgressions. Huh? Until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. Because of transgression. Wait, 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 what? Wait, because of transgressions. Like, what, what does he mean by that? Because of, of transgressions. give you an example um, what i think paul is getting at here i think depending on where you go in the world no matter what the culture is no matter what the culture is you always have in certain cultures an acceptance of some like destructive behaviors kind of like as normal all right these destructive behaviors are just like taken for granted and it's just seem as a normal thing, like it, this is part of life, it's not bad or good, it's just, it is what it is. The Bible would call these destructive behaviors, like sin, rebellion against God, and actually therefore destructive both to you and to other people. I'll give you an example. So uh, I've been to China multiple times, uh, I love it, it's one of, my favorite, um, one of my favorite places to go in the world, um, I think they have the best food in the world uh, by far. Um, and uh, one of the things uh, that's why I will not go to the Peking House because I am radically disappointed because that ain't Chinese food, no way. Um, but one of the things that you notice if you ever go to China, if you spend some time, if you are a young woman in China and you get married, oh, you've got this. I've actually seen weddings in like parks over there. Um, but one of the things that they told us when we went over there, um, they were like, guys, one of the things, one of the things that's very interesting about this culture is if you are married in, in China, there is an assumption. If you're the woman, there is an assumption that your husband is going to commit adultery on you. And it's just the way that it is. Like You just got to live with it. Like it's just, like it's neither good nor bad. That's just the way, like Tupac Shakur said, that's just the way it is. Like, it is what it is. All right? Like, and it's, in many ways, just is culturally acceptable. Like that's just that's that's what it is. All right. Now here's the thing: you would look at that and you would say, "Man, that's absurd! Like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, like you know, like nobody gonna do that to me." Like, but that right there is something that you see that's just normal. Like that. Now here's the deal: you're like, "Man, that's crazy." Your own culture does it too. Let's reverse the situation. So if you took someone from China. And they moved here to the United States. One of the things that you'll notice is that we have these things too that are just normalized. Like, I'll give you an example of one. So, let's say um, uh, someone from China comes to the United States, they see that it's perfectly acceptable in the United States, and perfect, not acceptable, but like perfectly expected that, for instance, a teenager would talk back to his parents. And they would be like, what? That's like the dumbest thing. Like, that person like gave birth to you. That person like rocked you in a cradle. He stayed up like nights for you, and you're talking back to him? That's like the most disrespectful thing you can do. What, you're you're allowing him to sit in a room for six hours a day and play video games? Like, what, like, he's a he's meant to be a human being, like a contributor of a family. What are you doing? But you see, that's almost totally acceptable in our cultural, here's what Paul is saying. In what you're, what happens is sin, transgressions, what happens is they become so normal in certain cultures. One of the things that the law does, the law comes and says, that's not normal. Like that behavior is not normal. That is not what it means to be a human being. That is not what it means to be in the image of God. It is not okay to commit adultery on your, your husband. It is not okay to be a lazy teenager. It's not okay to talk back to your parents. That's like not okay. So one of the things that the law does, why was the law added? The law was added to show, like, for, because of transgressions. It was in many ways, think of it like this, God gave the law as crutches to the universe. He gave the law as crutches to the universe. A temporary, like a temporary thing to basically think of it like this. If the world is fallen, like the Bible says, let's say your leg is broken. If you walk on that leg as if it were completely normal, you're gonna mess up your knee. Why? Because your knee is gonna cave in, which is gonna mess up your hip. Why? Because you're hitting out your knees caved in, your leg's broken, your hips like this, which is gonna mess up the alignment in your back, which is gonna mess up your neck. Why was the law given? The law was given right, to show that this is what it means to be a human being. This is what it means. And if you try to walk outside of that, it basically screams, that is not normal. That God gives the law as a gift, as a temporary structure. Notice what he said, right? Right? Why did the law, it was added because of transgression, until, notice that, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a thing that was supposed to last forever. It was a temporary, it was crutches, alright? It was crutches for the world, until what? The offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. Who in the world is the offspring? Think about it like this. Back in Genesis 3, God gave Eve a promise. There was going to be a seed, an offspring that came to her that would undo what the serpent did in Genesis 3.15. He comes to Abraham. He promises the seed, this offspring, who would come from him eventually, who would bless the nations. He talks to David later on down the line. And he says, one of your offspring will inherit the throne and will rule forever. Who is he talking about? You see, the whole Old Testament is talking about this offspring who is to come. Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ, dog. What we see right here, the law, what Paul is saying, big point number one, is that the law was never designed to give life. Your problem wasn't that you couldn't keep the rules. The law, the Old Testament, it was, it was never meant to give life. But what the law did, it reveals that you are sicker than you ever imagined. It reveals that you have abnormalities. Maybe you're a coward, and you refuse to have serious conversations that need to be had. Maybe with your family, maybe with your husband, maybe with your wife, but you are a coward. You're a spiritual coward. That is abnormal. Maybe you you talk, talk, talk. You dominate conversations. That is abnormal. You occasionally maybe watch pornography. That is abnormal. That is not normal. You have secret conversations with people. You love a juicy story. That is not normal. Not, the law reveals these things that we take for granted are not normal. You flirt with other women although you're married. That's not normal. That is abnormal. You have to thinking David. That's awfully encouraging. You're like oh, you're telling me, that I'm. Yeah, you're you're you're. So the beginning of this is going to have a minor key. It's gonna it's gonna be pretty dark. Hold with me, though, all right? The law was never meant to show the way to life. It was never designed to give life. It was a temporary crutch that God gave the world so that it wouldn't have to walk on its broken leg. But it wasn't, all right? It wasn't the remedy. But the law wasn't meant to show the way to life. What exactly was it to do? Here's what we see. Let's keep reading verse 22. The law wasn't meant to lead to life. The law was meant to lead you to Christ. Verse 22. Galatians 3 verse 22 says this. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin. So that, so he gives gives the result here, the result. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Um, I know it's a time of uh, season where a lot of people are watching TV. Um, Maybe you don't have uh, cable TV out there. Um, Maybe you have what I call country cable. That's like antenna. Um, if you turn on a station like MeTV, um, one of the things that you'll notice um, out there is uh, you'll notice, like, westerns being played. I don't know if any of you guys have ever watched westerns before, um, like old westerns. But in western movies, all right, it's always easy to tell the good guys from the bad guys. You can always do it. And here's the thing. You can do it without anyone ever opening their mouth to be like, David, like, I've never watched westerns. How, how do they do that? Easy. In Western movies, the good guys always wear white hats, and the bad guys wear black hats. Good guys, white hats. Black guys, black hats. So you, a guy can come onto the screen immediately, and you already know what he is. Why? Just because the color of the hat he's wearing. So, what does Paul say here? Did you notice what he said? Verse 22. But the scripture imprisoned everything, probably not the best translation, probably better translation, everyone. He It imprisoned everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Here's what he's saying, that the law, what it did is it took you and it threw you in the slammer. It took you and it put a black hat on you, baby. And it threw you in the slammer. Every single one. That's right. You out there who you know some secret sin that you've done long ago. Maybe it was you took advantage of somebody after she was intoxicated or something like that. Black hat. Homeschool kid. Black hat. Sweet old grandma. Black hat. Slammer. Locks the door, throws away the key. That's what the law did. It took you and it told the truth and it said, guilty. Threw you in the slammer, locked away the key. And you might again be thinking, David, how encouraging. But did you notice what he said? Look at verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. You notice what he dropped right there? We were. What does that mean now? Now, you might not be like some English scholar. But well, what's that mean? That means a little past tense, dog. You see that? You were. What does that mean? Here's the good news. That you had the black hat. You were thrown into the slammer. But there was a jailbreak, baby. And Jesus Christ Took your black hat and he gave you his white hat. There was a prison break, baby. And he broke you out of the slammer. Never to be the same again. He broke you out. You were imprisoned under your sin. You were a slave to your sin. And he took your black hat. He put it on himself. He gave you the white hat and he broke you out of that prison. Here's why this is I think so like foundational for us. I was thinking about it this week. Humanity loves we love to break ourselves up into groups. These little groups that what we do is we're really like passionate about something, and what we actually do in the process is we demonize or we put the black hat on somebody else, and they're like the enemy, right? So I'll give you an example. So like if you're um if you're if you're a if you're a democrat, alright? My brother, he's a he's a hardcore left wing Democrat. Who's the devil? Who gets the black hat? Who are the little demons? All right? Well, the devil are Republicans. Who are the little demons? It's those little anchors at Fox News. Okay, that's who it is. All right. So if you're a if you're a a Republican, who is who 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 is the enemy? Who's the epitome of what's wrong with the world? It's the Democrats. And who are the little demons? It's the little demons over at CNN. Alright? If you're part of PETA, People for the Equal Treatment of Animals, who is the demon. Who is the who, who is the epitome of everything that's wrong? Who gets the black hat? Farmers? Hunters? Why? Because they're mistreating animals. Muslims. If you're a part of Islam, you're watching this. Who is the who gets the black hat? Who is who's the epitome of what's wrong with the world? It's everybody who does not live under the Quran and Sharia law. Every government, every person. So, for instance, the United States would technically be what? They're The epitome of what's wrong with the world. Christianity would be the epitome of what's wrong with the world. Christianity gets the black hat. Judaism gets the black hat. Anything gets a black hat that is not Islam, that is not that. Who gets the black hat? Anybody who does not have that. Islam's passing on black hats left and right. LGBTQ, maybe you're lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, Right? something along those lines. Who gets the black hat? Maybe you're watching this and you're part of this group, I right, welcome. Who gets the black hat, though? Anybody who is against your movement. Automatically demonized. Black hat. Black hat. Black hat. you trying to withhold my rights. Black hat. Who gets the black hat in Christianity? Think about it. Some of you might be like, "Is it it Democrats? Nope. People part of the LGBTQ revolution? Nope." That's the amazing thing about Christianity. Who gets the black hat? Who is the epitome of what is wrong with the world? I am. You are. We all are. We all we all get black hats. You got a black hat? Like, that's the point of the gospel. Nobody had a white hat. Nobody. Jesus Christ was the only white hat. You had a black hat. Like in old westerns. You were the bad guy. You were the black hat. Christianity, in its true form, is the only group that actually doesn't sit around and demonize other people. Why? Because we know that we once had a black hat too. Nobody else is the enemy. Like All humanity, we're the enemy. We all rebelled. We all rebelled against God. Two implications, I think, why this is so huge for us. One, this allows us to talk to anybody. And this drives us to tell of the good news. Why? Because it's massive, okay? So here's what I mean, alright? So this a lot so we have I think we have this idea in like American culture, like that like if we want to like share the gospel with somebody, we gotta be like, like them or something like that. We gotta be like we gotta dress a certain way or do like to minister to this group and stuff like that. Look at Paul, dude. This guy comes from, like, some, like, essentially what we would think of as some, like, um, nerdy homeschooling family. He's got, like, the glasses with the tape in the middle. Like, that's his background, man. Very conservative. Where does he go? He preaches the gospel to people who did not grow up like that, man. Who grew up partying. Who grew up sleeping with one another. Like, they grew up, like, oh, like, that, that. He, He is completely not like them. One of the things that this does, one how the law imprisons, it puts a black hat on everybody, this is why this is such major news. One, it allows you to share with and talk to anybody. Here's what I mean. So let's say, um, um, nice little homeschooling mom out there. All right, let's say um, I'm talking to you now. All right, so this is what allows you one day to speak to your friend maybe who's in adultery and share the good news with her or maybe even minister to uh, to. I pray that this happens sometime soon in the life of our congregations. Minister to prostitutes in our community. Yes, they're here. Right? How can you do that? Easy. Here's, what, here's why. Someone might be, they might be like, man, shoot, you, you, you're, you're like this perfect all together. Like you got this, you got your own little family. You're like Miss Perfect. And here's the thing you can actually share with them. You're like, dude, hey, sweetheart, you might have committed adultery like three or four times. You know how much adultery exists in this heart? I've committed adultery hundreds and thousands of times in here. I've committed adultery hundreds and th- and you know that you know the similarity between your adulteries and my adulteries? They actually came from the same place. They came from here. The only difference is you might have acted them out. It doesn't mean that they're not there in here in my heart. And just as I need a savior from that, you do too. You do too. Man, you need that. There's one who can come and make you pure, make you clean. Like the, say you're talking to a, a, a drug dealer or something like that. Dude, what's he after? He's after power, prestige, money. Oh yeah, the same thing that's in there in your heart. The same thing. You want that too. The only difference is, the only difference separating you and the guy in the jail cell is the fact that he acted on those desires a little more than you did. That's the thing about Christianity. It just levels that playing field, man. It shows me that fundamentally there is no difference between me and the guy serving 20 years out of the prison for murder for drug sale, for for molestation, for whatever. It it tells the truth that in the same sense, like we were all thrown in the jail cell. We all have black hats. And those sins that, that that we do and they do, they come from the same place, baby. It allows us to talk to anybody. But not only that, One of the things, the other things it does is it allows us to have a tenderness and mercy towards those who hurt us. Here's what I mean. Remember Paul's argument here. He's saying that like everybody was in prison. Everybody, like that's his big idea. Everybody was thrown into the prison. When you get hurt by another person, one of the things now that you can understand is they are. And what this does in your heart, this gives you such a compassion towards other people that when they hurt you, your first response isn't actually anger or lashing out at yourself. It's almost like a, a warmness that fills your heart. It's like, I know what that's like. I wore the black hat too once. I think it even goes beyond that, though. Even after we're converted, after we come to know Christ. One of the things, this happened for you married couple. It points to the fact that, guess what? Your spouse is not the enemy. Like, they're not the enemy. Like, you were the enemy of God. I was the enemy. We all were. And he came, and he put his white hat on us and took off our black hat. It allows us to have a supernatural tenderness and mercy towards one another. Why? Because we know the truth that the law imprisoned everybody under sin, and therefore, whenever they sin against us, whoever that is, they are not the enemy. And I can respond in tenderness and compassion and thoughtfulness, and I don't have to strike back. Let me ask you, friend, does that sound like something that you want? Does that sound like something that you want? Dang. What the gospel does is imprisons everybody, but it also tells us there was a jailbreak. But Paul doesn't stop there. Look at verse twenty-four. So then the law was our guardian, like that's a that's a that's a weird word. You might want to circle that word right there in your Bible. The law was a guardian, also translation tutor, like. There's a guardian, a tutor, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now faith has come. We are no longer in need under a guardian or a tutor. Let me explain this because some of you are going to be like, David, that is weird. Like, what are you talking about? So back in these ancient times, one of the things that you'll notice is that many times a parent would not directly educate their kid. So what they would do is they would assign a household employee, kind of think of like a nanny or something like that, and what they would do is they would put him over a particular child, right? So for, like, if it was a young little girl, they would have this woman nanny that came in. If it was over a little boy, they would have this guy nanny that came in. And what they would do is they would educate them. They would teach them. They would teach them how to be formal, how to be thoughtful, like, like they would teach them how to read. They would teach them, like, the ABCs. So what they would do is they would, they would be their guardian. They would tutor them all the way up to adulthood, okay? all right? They would do this. They would take them, and all the way up to adulthood, they would tutor them. They would be their guardian. Even though they already had a family, a mom, a dad, all that, they had that, they would have someone who would come, and what he would do is he would teach them the basics of education, how to to, to show manners, those type of things, all right? Very, very common in this ancient time, all right? Here's the deal, though, all right? what they would do is they would start, they would teach you the basics. This is what good teachers and tutors do. They teach you the basics. They teach you the ABCs. Why? So that you learn the ABCs and you get your diploma? Ain't eh, wrong. Like, that'd be kind of weird if you think about it in our c- culture. If, like, at the end of kindergarten, you basically handed someone a diploma and said, hey, you know everything you need, man, great job. No, you learn the ABCs. Why? So that you can read a book. Read a first grade book. Then an eighth grade book. Then a ninth grade book. Then a twelfth grade book. Then write a book. You don't learn the ABCs just so that you know the ABCs. You learn the ABCs to get you somewhere. That's what Paul is saying. Notice what he says. So then the law, verse 24, Galatians 3, 24, the law was our guardian until Christ came. Here's what he's saying. The whole point of the law was to bring you to Christ. It was to point you to Christ. One of the things that you notice, you guys know that I love the Old Testament. You want to know the secret to reading the Old Testament? You want to know the secret to reading your Bible? It's all about Christ. That's what Paul's saying here. You want to read your Old Testament correctly. you got to see, you got to ask the question, how does this point to Christ? How does this show me my need for Christ? This is exactly what Jesus says after he's risen from the dead in Luke 24. He's like, you guys didn't realize that the Psalms, the prop, like the Psalms, the prophets, all the writings, it was about me. That the, the law, all those Old Testament, what it did, the law, it basically held up a picture of what humanity should be. And then what it did is it held it up a mirror to yourself and showed you that you are not that. And that you needed someone who would be like that. Needed someone who would be like that, and that was Jesus Christ. So the law doesn't the law doesn't lead us to life, but it actually leads us to Christ. What does Christ accomplish? Like, what does He do? Glad you asked. Here we go. Look at verse twenty-seven. Yeah. So he says this, uh, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor neither slave nor free, there is ne- no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abram's offering heirs according to He uses this really strange word, you probably, like, baptized into Christ. Like, you might be like, David, that seems like awful, like, churchy language, like, w- w- bat- Like I-, I don't use that word, like, w- what does he mean? You know what? That is very helpful because this is what he's actually getting at. He's saying that when a person is brought out of that prison, when Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit opens a person's eyes to see the truth, regenerates them, changes them, like moves them, like, and all of a sudden they 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 are saved. The Lord changes their heart, he gives them a new heart. One of the things that happens is what? They are baptized into Christ. And here's what he means that Christ's death became your death. And when Jesus Christ died, you died too. You were killed. The Father put you to death with Christ. Why? So that you, his resurrection, would be your resurrection. So that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it was a promise that, guess what, one day, so will you. You will rise from the dead too. His life, Christ's life, you're baptized into Christ. His life became your life. Which means you can actually put to death the old sins of the past that you you you've struggled to fight. If you were in Christ, you are, not, you, you are not the victim anymore. You can put that chunk to death. His perfection became your perfection. You were baptized into Christ's perfection. His perfection became your perfection. Which means this, when God the Father looks upon you, he is pleased, 100% pleased, without any reservations. If you're a Christian, you don't have to sit around thinking and wondering, does God really hate me? No. He does not. Because you were baptized into Christ's perfection, and his perfection became your perfection. His inheritance became your inheritance. Some of you guys... You don't have, you, it's like you don't have a dime to your name. And you are infinitely rich. Some of you guys, you might have 401k set up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 401k, how's your 401k doing now? It's like a negative 401k, that's what it is. Not saying that that's bad. What I'm showing you is that every ounce of wealth that you think you have in this world, you're not keeping. You're dying, and it's gone. You you don't got you, you ain't wearing like jinkos that can carry like huge amounts of like coinage into heaven. You come, man, not Christ's inheritance. Fading, you can't touch, and it is yours. You are infinitely wealthy. Even if you might look at your house and be like, "Man, David, I see my my house isn't worth this," and yet you are infinitely rich, and you will receive it one day. If you were in Christ, if you endure to the end, one of the things that we see—that's one of the signs that you're in Christ. If you adore Him with all your heart, He—you will get that inheritance, inheritance that cannot be touched unfading, undefiled. And how does he end? He ends with this. He says, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither, there is neither slave nor free, there is male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying, hey, there's no such thing as like male and female now or this or this or this or this. Or he's not. That's not what he's saying. Here's what he's saying, that whenever you're baptized into the devil, What happens is it completely levels the playing field in all areas, in in, in the area of life that you are actually, when God looks upon you, that he's pleased. Let me give an example that might be helpful, because that might sound confusing. Um, One of my dear friends, um, uh, her name is Mary Lynn. Uh, Some of you might know her. Um, She is in a wheelchair. Um, She is someone um, who's really struggling right now uh, with her health. Um, uh, I would encourage uh, our church... uh, please do not visit her right now. She does not need to be visited. Um, She's got some stuff that's kind of going on, um, just like mentally and physically. Um, Please continue to pray for her, though. The world, people people in this world would look at her, um, and they would actually see her as if she's relatively unimportant. So people might look at me, and they're like, David, you're like, Preaching a sermon, you must be like somewhat kind of like important or something like that. In the eyes of the Lord, I have nothing over her and she has nothing over me. This is some someone who, who, who is in a rehab center, who very few people in the world, like probably know her name, she doesn't have thousands of friends on Facebook, she doesn't have followers. And yet one of the things that we see is that she is one in Christ. We stand equal before God, both me and her. One of the things that Christ does is he breaks down every wall. Guys, this is this is my dream for our church, and I cannot wait for the day um, where I will walk into our church facility. And I see the natural walls that humanity builds up just broken down. Um, I can't wait to walk into our congregation one day and see um, every race um, represented. Um, I can't wait to walk in and see um, cops and uh, former people that were once arrested by those cops that have come to know Christ. (laughs) And they're actually in the same congregation. And they can joke, hey, you remember that time you arrested me? I can't wait to see that. The diversity that comes when the gospel's preached. That there would be former prostitutes, um, former homosexuals, um, people that genuinely don't think, people don't think are. are Church kind of people that have come to know Christ. Like that's the crazy thing. If you think about the New Testament, most of the church members were people who, like, society would look at and be like, "They're sketch." Like, it was the prostitutes. It was the it was the town drunks. It was the, that's who were the church members. Like, why? Because the good news, what happens is it takes those who this world puts at the bottom rung and it brings them up. Some of you like youngins out there, man, you're going to be going to, like, a a, a college one day. And uh, some freshman comp class, some uh, professor's going to come in there and tell you how, like, the Bible, like, oppresses people or, like, oppresses women. Get the heck out of here. Like, did you read that, man? There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You know who Paul's writing to? He's writing to a part of the world who were, like, females at this time. Remember, this is not, like, a Christian world. No, this is, like, a pagan, like... Women were like second-class citizens. And Paul comes in and he says, no distinction before God. That's like, bang! Holy cow! Why? Because the gospel elevates. It levels up the playing field. Guys, how do we respond to this message? Here's one of my, my goals and how we respond. My big goal is that you... Fall, literally, fall in love with Christ. If Christ is just some intellectual pursuit for you, if he's just part of some, like, like religious ritual for you, my friend, you might not know him. If all Christ is for you is the person, like, you walk the aisle and repeated a prayer or something like that, my friend, you might not know Christ. How do you know if you've no know Christ? It, like it, you can see it. It overflows. It comes out of that man. It, you, you are in love with Him. He is most beautiful, most desires. He is the affection of your soul, guys. If we actually, if we see Jesus Christ really, man, you don't you don't gotta you you don't gotta encourage people to. Like, you don't have to, like, force people to share the gospel. Man, you're going to share, man. That's exciting joke right there. That's the best news in the world. You had a black hat. And you had someone who took your place and broke you out of that slammer. Guys, my goal is that we as a church, we would fall in love with this Christ That we would see what he has done. That we would be absolutely enamored. That you would build your life around him. That he is not some intellectual pursuit. He is not not something that's just like out there. He's not something that's just you see on Sunday. No, he is, you are devoted to him in every part of your life. That is the call to repentance and faith in Jesus. That is the good news that we see in Jesus. Has made this spur us on to be different to be different to, 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 to be those who vocalize our faith, those who have a message that can talk to anybody anywhere because we were once the black hats. He made us yeah. let me pray guys. A good night, Father. I pray for you that you would continue to change us, mold us, shape us into the kind of people um, who literally are in love with Jesus Christ. God, that is that, that is that—that is my heartbeat. That's what I want to see. That's what, Lord, because I know if that happens, then guess what else is going to happen? Evangelism, desire for the word like all those things are going to happen. And what they're going to happen, Father, I pray. Father, that even that Calvary Baptist Church that we would be, be that you would make us into a church that looks like that in many ways looks like our community. It look, Lord, that we look so different that many people would come to Christ, Lord. That you would through our mouths and through our speech that you would bring many people to Christ. Then even people in our society think, "Oh, that's sketch. That's the sketch church." But I pray that would be a reality here. Please, I plead. We pray that you would do this miraculous work and we thank you for what you've done. we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening in to today's message. For more information about our church, feel free to visit us at CalvaryBCMoultrie.com. We hope you will join us again next time. Until then, grace and peace.